Thank you, Linda, for that song. The rest of us will take our Bibles, turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 5. Young people get to go with Mrs. Scarbello this morning. Mark, chapter 5, verse number 1. We're going to read down to verse number 20. Let's all stand once again, give you a chance to stretch. For those that helped us move or load up the trucks, you know, I thought we were going to get it all in one 26-foot truck. And I thought, you know, we'll just get a bigger truck so we'll make sure that we have plenty of room for everything. I think we needed three 26-foot trucks. We did get it, uh, most of it in, in the two trucks, and uh, praise the Lord for that. Please be praying for us as we head out uh, on Wednesday and pray that all goes well with regard to the trip. Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. Let's follow along as I read. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met with him two of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. But there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out, and they entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how that it befell him that it was possessed of the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devils prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this portion of Scripture and the power that you have to change lives. Lord, how wonderful it is to know that no matter what our situation, circumstance, that, Lord, you can do something in our life. Father, for those that are uh, discouraged, Lord, you can bring encouragement. Those that are hurting, you can bring healing. Father, those that are 
going through difficult times, that you can provide a way that they may be able to bear it. Father, we thank you for your wonderful, wonderful uh, overseeing of our life. And Lord, I pray that you'd guide us today. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Father, I pray once again that you'd give me your power and your words to speak. Lord, please lead me and show me what you'd have me to say today. Lord, guide every thought. May our hearts be attentive. And Lord, we'll just give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. After D.L. Moody received Jesus Christ as his Savior, he became burdened for the young people of Chicago. He went to the uh, Sunday school superintendent and asked him if he could begin teaching a class of young people. And the superintendent told Moody, he says, well, if you can get a class together for yourself, uh, you can go ahead and teach. So on the first Sunday, he went out into the streets and he started inviting young men to come uh, to Sunday school. He had 18 his first Sunday. How wonderful that was. He continued to look up and down the streets and to find uh, young men uh, to come and to hear the, the, uh, the message of the gospel. He soon filled up two and then three schools with boys of his class. And then he started a school for himself. He obtained the use of the city hall in Chicago, and he filled that with 800 boys and taught them himself, just himself and a singer, who, or a guy who led the singing, and nearly all of those 800 were converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, can you imagine 800 kids and there's just you and one other person that's leading the songs to lead them? And that's it. You're, yeah. But you know what? Praise God. He had a burden for people that are lost. D.L. Moody got a vision for souls of young people. He realized that each soul was precious and is precious to the Lord. He began to work and to trust the Lord for the results. They called him Crazy Moody because he would go to great lengths to win somebody to Jesus Christ. The story is told that he chased a boy up the stairs to his house and the boy ran inside and went under his bed and D.L. Moody was giving him the gospel as he was going and he went under the bed and was still giving him the gospel. He said, well, pastor, man, uh, some would frown on that today, wouldn't they? day in which we live, but I'm, sure, I'm here today to tell you that D.L. Moody was concerned about seeing one more soul come to know Jesus Christ as her Savior and escape hell. One might ask themselves, why is Galilee Baptist Church here in the Bitterroot Valley? There are those who might say, well, Galilee Baptist Church is to be a help to the community. Others might respond by saying Galilee Baptist Church is to be a place where believers can meet together and have fellowship. Still others would state that the purpose of Galilee Baptist Church is to provide a place where people can come and hear the word of God and be preached and taught. You know, all these ideas are true. But the purpose of the New Testament church is to edify the believers that they might go out into a lost world and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. Matthew 18, or excuse me, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, the great commission of the church was given by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he said this, Go ye, unto all, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy, Spirit, or Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Some might ask, a preacher, is it, is it worth it? Is it worth to have a ministry to a rest home? They can't financially benefit the church. They, they probably won't even be able to attend the services. Is it really worth to have time and effort there? Is it worth to have a is it worth it to have a bus ministry? Because you know these children, these children are just small and they don't they don't have much, and they, they probably won't be able to pay for the gas on the bus. Is it worth the effort to go out into the highways and hedges and encourage the young people to come? Is it worth to go soul winning in our community? So many have their own church. Others don't want to listen to the gospel. It takes away, you know, from some people's family time. Is it really worth to go out and to try and reach one more soul for Jesus Christ? Is it worth to have ladies and men's meetings and big days where we can invite our friends and our loved ones to come and, and have a good time, but also to hear the gospel? You know, pastor, people have so many excuses uh, why they don't come. People are so busy that they don't have time to come. It takes a lot of work to plan and prepare for those days. It takes a lot of money to have those big days. Is it really worth all of the effort and the time? Is it worth having the Sunday school classes and primary junior church and Bible studies? People have to get up an extra hour uh, earlier to come to Sunday school in the morning. And it's especially hard when they, you know, stayed up late on Saturday night watching movies and spending time with friends and family. You know, Pastor, you're asking an awful lot to be here on Sunday morning. Teachers have to call in their classes to see if they're coming out uh, to, to their Sunday school class. It costs money to buy curriculum for these little ones. Is it really worth it? Is it worth to preach the gospel week after week? People today want a feel-good message rather than to hear the preaching against sin and a life of righteousness to live for Jesus Christ. Sound biblical teaching isn't popular with many folk today. In our society, it requires making a decision about where I'm going to live. Am I going to live for Jesus or am I going to live for the world? Is it really worth it? The answer to all these questions is yes. It is worth it. If just one more soul comes to Jesus Christ, it's worth it all. In our text today, we find the Savior going after one more soul. One more soul. He didn't look, this person that Jesus went to go and find, he didn't look like much to the people of the community. In fact, they had pretty much washed their hands of this man. They tried helping him, but it, that was, it, nothing worked for him. But may I share with you that that soul was precious to Jesus Christ. You know, before I was saved, there was nothing in me that would have merited any attention. I was just a seven-year-old boy who was lost and on his way to hell. But a faithful primary junior church teacher, Mrs. Fowler, would week after week preach about the gospel how that people needed to be saved. 
and that unless we have Jesus as our Savior, we can never go to heaven. Finally, one day, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I praise God for that faithful primary junior church teacher. I praise God for that church that was willing to pay for the curriculum and the different things and had a concern about young people that they went on and did it over and over again. Today we're speaking on, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I want you to see as we look at this portion of scripture in Mark chapter 5, I want you to see a soul bound by sin. We look at verses five, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Let me read it again. It says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, talking to Jesus and the disciples, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because they had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Jesus had just landed in Gadara. The tribe of Gad lived in this area, one of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And Jesus was met by a man who, when he came to land, this man ran to worship him. We're introduced to this man in verses 1 through 5. He was a man, the Bible says in verse number 2, of an unclean spirit. Another way of putting it, he was demon-possessed. You say, well, pastor, I wonder if there's really demon possession today. I'm telling you, there is demon possession. There are people who have invited through the things that they do in the, their, their life, they've invited Satan and the demons to come and live within them. Satan is alive and well, my friend. He is alive and well. That word unclean means to de be defiled in mind and in life. His thoughts were wicked. His life was a reflection of going that direction in the way of Satan. Satan had controlled his life. He was following the lust of his father, Satan, Jesus said. In, Matthew, or in John chapter 8, verse 44. Folks, may I share with you today, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, the religious people of the time, and they were mocking Jesus and said, well, you know what, we know who our father is, talking about Abraham, father of, all, uh, of the Jewish nation. Jesus said, well, let me just tell you who your real father is. You're of your father, the devil. And the lust, the desires of your father ye will do. He is a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. And when he, uh, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. We see today murder and, and corruption and evil and, and lying and cheating. And you say, well, where does all that come? It comes from Satan. The whole world, the Bible says, lieth in the wicked one. Satan is in control. He's energizing this world system. He's energizing that direction. And folks, before we got saved, that's how we live. But when we got saved, when we ask Jesus to be our Savior, we turn to Jesus from this old way to follow in those footsteps of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. This man was living under the control of Satan. It's sad today. You're either living under the control of Satan or you're living under the control of God. There is no in-between. 
people think, you know what, I'm just kind of in that middle, Pastor. I'm not, you know, I'm not living a really bad life, and I'm not living a really good life. I'm just kind of living in the middle. And Jesus <laughs> put it this way. No man, having put his hand to the plow, in other words, get saved, and looking back, desiring that old way of life, is fit or well-suited for the kingdom of heaven. You are a carnal person looking back, desiring and lusting after the things that Jesus came to deliver you from. Jesus said, I am, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus says, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And folks, I submit to you today that this man here, this gathering demoniac, as he's here in this place, he's controlled by Satan. He's the influences, the desires of his life to, to steal and to cheat and to and kill and do whatever he could. Hey, that's where his life was all about. And, and uh, today as we look at this world, we should not think it any different from a lost person. That's how lost people live. You say, is there a bottom on that? No. Satan will always help people to find a new low. New low of sin. New low of evil. But praise God, there is a hope for people today. And it's found in Jesus Christ. This man, the Bible says, this gathering demoniac, uh, he was under the control of Satan, but he had his dwelling among the tombs. In verse number 3, look what it says. Who had his dwelling among the tombs. What does that mean, Pastor? He lived where the dead live. That's where he lived. Could you imagine going and living in a cemetery? We were traveling as a, a young people's group, and we would go to different churches. And uh, we traveled up in Northern California, and we traveled, uh, and we would go and sing for these churches and stuff. Well, this one church that we went to, at, it was at night when we got in there, and uh, it, was, it was pitch black dark. And young people are always checking out their environment. And so the rest of us were in the main building, and we're getting our, our sleeping bags and, and everything. And all of a sudden, some of the kids had gone out, and they were just checking out around the grounds of the church, and they were right next to the cemetery. And, you know, people are going out, and they're taking their flashlights, and they're reading the, the headstones of the, of the people in the cemetery. Uh, you know, some of, those, some of those people got spooked pretty easily at night. You know, you hear a little hoot owl or something like that, and they're, you know, you know they came running back in. It's like, you know, uh, what are you doing out in a cemetery anyway at, at late at night? Well, you know, they had some interesting things on there, you know, on, on what they were saying. So they went out the next day, and they, they weren't afraid. But, folks, can I tell you something? That's where this person lived all the time. This is where he lived. He lived among the dead people. That's where, uh, you know what? Satan uh, encourages people that have no hope. Hey, people that are in, in, in the grave, the world looks at that, and they say, you know what? There's no hope there. Hey, that's exactly where Satan wants people to live, with no hope. Not much joy in a graveyard. There's not. Uh, many don't like to think of dying. In fact, they try to put it out of their mind as long as possible. But this man, that's where he lived. A place of no hope. And that's what, Jesus, uh, that's what Paul said in Ephesians. People that are lost, they're without God and without hope in this world. They have no hope. But he was also a man who was uncontrollable. Look at verse number 3 and 4 who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. 
In other words, they tried to get this man. He was just a wild man. He was out of control. And I tell you today, I think that there's a lot of the the demon worship in the hearts and lives of people and people who are out of control and they're doing uh, evil and wicked things and they're just out of control. And people say, well, you know what? I know what you got. You got one of these uh, diseases and they give all these letters to them. I wonder if some of that stuff is not anything than demon possession. Because this man, he was, they would bind him with chains and try to bring him under their control. And he would just go and he'd pop those chains. Can I tell you something? Satan has a lot of power. Satan has a lot of power. Not as much as our, our God and our Savior. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But I'm here today to tell you that Satan is alive and well. Satan does know how to levitate things. People say, well, you know what, Pastor, I've seen on TV, you know, those people, they had those spoons, and, and that spoon right there when they're talking about, you know, uh, their, their mental power and their mental telepathy. Can I tell you something? That's all satanic. And that spoon will bend. You say, well, how could he do that? Simple. It wasn't that guy doing it. It was that demon that was, that was working with him bent that spoon. How can the, paras- how can the parapsychologist, uh, the, the, you know, they have parapsychology, Oh, well, you know what? I know where that body is buried over here. How can, the, how can that person tell them where that is? Well, it's pretty simple. The demon who had them kill him over here is telling this person who they've been opened up and let them come into their life to tell them where that, per, where that person's at. There's no problem with that. It's not, under, it's not difficult to understand. Satan is alive and well. And police departments depend on some people like that, Brother Jim. People who have been controlled. We had a lady that was here, and she used to be, as a child, she could look on the back of the, remember the milk cartons, and they used to have uh, this person's missing and so forth. She could look at that, and she could, she would be able to, to tell, say, oh, you know what? Um, you go over here by this tree, and you'll find her. She was demon-possessed. Let me tell you something. Satan is alive and well. This person right here was controlled by Satan, and he had power. And the Bible says that they tried to tame him. That word tame means to restrain, to to curb. They couldn't curb him. They they tried to bring him under their control, but the chains were broken. Notice something else about this man. He was a man who had no no peace and no rest. Look at verse number 5. And always, always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. This poor man, night and day, he was tormented. He practiced self-mutilation. It sounds like the youth and the adults even of today. Body piercings and tattoos all over their bodies and looking for something in life. But there's no peace and there's no rest. He was a man who was an outcast of society. He didn't live where the normal people lived. He was a man who was lost and on his way to hell. Who would care if he died? Who would care? Who would see any value in him? I want you to see the second point of this message, and that's this. Jesus came with a message of hope and deliverance. Look at verse number 6. But when he, this demonic possessed person, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? 
I adjure thee that by, by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. The demons that were inside this man knew who Jesus was. People didn't realize, but I'm telling you today that when Jesus walked on the scene, when Jesus came around, these, these, uh, these demons are nothing more than fallen angels. They had been with him in heaven. And when they chose to go against him, can I tell you something? They know who he is. They have to give him worship. They have to bow the knee to him. You see it over and over again in the scriptures. And that's exactly what happened. James 2.19, it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils or the demons also believe, and they tremble. You know how many people today don't tremble at the name of God? They don't tremble at the name of Jesus. Christians don't even tremble at the one they call a Savior. Their life is so much of the world, they don't even, they don't even tremble. I just kind of wonder how many are saved. Jesus saw this man with a need. He didn't look at him and say, well, that's too bad. He didn't say to him, oh, well, you know, I would like to help you, but I don't know what to do. No, Jesus commanded the demons to come out of the man. Jesus is greater than Satan and greater than his demons. Greater is he that is in us, 1 John 4, 4, than he that's in the world. Jesus, uh, Jesus talks to the demons who are within this man. And the Bible says in verse number 9, he asked them, he says, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. That word Legion, you say, Well, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, the name Legion was given to a division of the Roman army. It, it did not always denote the same number. Uh, sometimes it was between three to 6,000 foot soldiers. Uh, Matthew Henry says some, uh, it, it, it was sometimes 6,000. Others say 12,500. A full re, uh, Roman legion was 6,826 men. But what we do know is this. There was a whole bunch of demons in one man. Whatever the case, we know this man was under the influence and the control of Satan. There are those today in this world who are under the control of Satan. They're controlled by sex. They're controlled by drugs and alcohol. They're controlled by gambling. One of the things about Montana, if a building closes in Montana, usually many times it'll come up and it'll be another bar, or it'll be another, it'll be another uh, uh, casino. I'm thinking, you know, Satan just likes to rob people. They're a thief and a destroyer. That's what Satan is. He's called a destroyer. Some people are controlled by their rock music. Some are controlled by their gossip. Some are controlled by bitterness and anger. They're under the control of Satan. They have no peace and they are, they're in turmoil. It is easy to become critical of them, though. You know what? Sometimes Christians will say they ought to know better. They need to be released their sin we're all sinners and only Jesus Christ can change a life I'm here today to tell you no matter what your life is like no matter where, what sin you're 
caught up and you're bound by. I'm telling you here today, this is a beautiful example of what Jesus can do in a heart and in a life. He can set them free. He can set them free. I want you to see the third point of this message, and it's this, a changed man. Verse number 11. Verse number 11. The demons, they, they wanted a body to inhabit because Jesus said, come out of him. In verse number 11, there was, and he besought the, they, they, the demons, uh, and he besought him, the legion, uh, much that they would not send them out of the country. Now there were nigh under the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils, that word devils is the Greek word demonion, all the demons besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. You know the demons aren't picky about what type of body they inhabit. They just want a body. They're a spirit being. They want a body to inhabit. Remember that serpent in the Garden of Eden? And Satan inhabited that serpent and, and stood upright and spoke. Hey, demons just want to have a body. They don't have a body. They want one. And they're not picky about what type. You say, well, Pastor, man, I'm so messed up. They, they wouldn't want me. Can I tell you something? They don't care. They don't care. They just want a body. doesn't matter how much you're messed up. The Bible says here, they want to even go into pigs. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and they entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. They were killed. So this man, uh, they said, can we go into this, the pigs? You know, the Jews were not to eat. They, they weren't to touch pigs. They were unclean. They're supposed to stay away from pigs. You know, I'm glad that I'm under grace and not under the law. I like my bacon, nice and crispy. I like pork chops. I like uh, link sausages. I like sausage patties. I like all that stuff. Praise God, God made it all. He says, you know, just pray, and it's accepted. The Old Testament, they couldn't touch it. And this tribe of Gad, it's important to understand, this is a, one of the 12 tribes that God had given the instruction, the dietary instructions. And people say, well, you know what, Pastor? Uh, we're supposed to follow the Old Testament dietary instructions. Uh, can I tell you something? You need to read the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 4 talks about the fact that what, now in the new, new age of grace that we have, hey, we can have those things. We can have lobster, amen? Couldn't eat lobster before. But because Jesus Christ fulfilled all that Old Testament law, things are different now for us. He completed it all. So, but this tribe, at this particular point, this tribe of Gad, they were doing what God had told them not to do. And these demons said, hey, we want a body. He says, okay. They, they said, can we go into those pigs? He says, sure, go for it. And they all ran violently when a demon entered a pig. It made him crazy. Think about that. Do some people today act like they're crazy? That's why I'm saying, I wonder how many people are demon-possessed today. How can they act that way? How can they be so hateful, so mean, so nasty? It's because they're demon-possessed. Folks, we need to understand that this is very true. This is real. God has put this in his word so we can understand how Satan works. And Jesus gave him permission to go into those pigs, and the pigs ran violently down to the sea and were drowned. 
But what we see in verse number 15, we see a new man. Look at verse number 15. And they of the town had come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. Now notice this man. Before, remember, he was naked. Remember, he was out there before. He's living in the tombs. He was a man that could not be controlled. The world would say, no, there's no hope for him. We've tried all that medicine and all the stuff. It doesn't work with him. Oh, but when Jesus comes into the picture, he can make all things new. He was sitting and clothed. Notice, and in his right mind. There was soundness of mind. He was calm. Jesus. You say, Pastor, I, that's what I need in my life right now. I need, I need some calm. I need some peace in my life. Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but in me you'll have peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, is fixed on thee because he trusteth in thee. God has not given unto us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Oh, folks, don't you understand that you have a message that this old world needs to hear today? There's people that are so so caught up in, in the, the fear of all that's going on and their life is so controlled by Satan and they have no rest and they have no peace. There is hope for them today in the message of the gospel. The greatest thing that you can do is point them to Jesus because Jesus, just like he did with this man, can change them forever. This man was a changed man. He's a new man not only sitting and clothed and in his right mind. He was clothed. Today, you know what? People want to take off all their clothes, even Christians. You say, oh, Pastor, you know, you're going out to Delaware. You know, there's beaches out there. You know, people don't wear clothes out there. You know, a good time to go to the, the ocean is when it's cold. People keep their clothes on. When we were out there in California, we were only 45 minutes away from the beach out there. And you know, when I, my wife and I would like to go, we'd like to go in the wintertime. Why? Because I'd like to watch the waves just break up on the rocks, and it's just wonderful. But you know what? There's nobody running around with no clothes on. You don't have to go like this. Oh, I can see the waves. No. You can enjoy. You can enjoy what God's got. Folks, can I tell you something? As Christians, God's called us to, to a new way. If you study that, God's called ladies to holiness and to walk in modesty. You say, well, Pastor, what's modesty? Well, if you study that word out, it'll tell you what it is. Long flowing dress, not close, tight fitting, and you're, you know, showing everything. Hey, that's not, that's not modest. Well, it doesn't say anything about guys. Well, you, you just need to read, keep on reading because God has other stuff for you too, guys. We're to be an example of holiness. We're to lead by example. Say, oh, pastor, we're in the world. Yeah, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. There's to be a difference about our life. We're not representing the world anymore. We're not pleasing the world. We're pleasing our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this man, he was sitting and he was clothed and in his right mind. Sitting and clothed in his right mind. Notice his new purpose, his new desire. We find it in verse 16 and 17. And they that saw it, the, uh, the town, uh, or excuse me, they that saw it uh, told them, the people that had dealt with the, 
the pigs. They saw it. They told them how it befell him that he was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, talking of Jesus, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be, what? With him. Hey, here's a person who'd been living in the dark side. Been living in sin. Living under the control of Satan. I mean, his life was a mess. Jesus had set him free. Jesus is getting ready to go into a ship. Go to the other side. He says, Jesus, can I just stay with you? You've brought such peace in my life. You've helped me in ways that no one else could help me. Lord, can I just stay with you? I don't know about you. I love to stay with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Times when I'm having my devotions, I'm having my time with the Lord. I like just to read his word. I like to hear his voice. Be, hey, son, this is, you're doing what's right. Hey, here's some things here that need to change. I like to hear his voice. I like to stay there all the time. But folks, may I share with you? That's not what God wants for us to do. God wants us to take what we've learned in that quiet time and take it out to be a witness to others. And that's what Jesus told this man. Look what he, Jesus says here. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them that the, how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Well, he began to go home. He was obedient to the Lord. He went back and started telling people. He said, you know what? Let me just tell you what Jesus did for me. I used to live in the dark side over here. I used to live among the tombs. I had no rest. I had no peace. I was naked. Nobody cared for me. All they tried to do was control me. But one day, Jesus, Jesus came. He touched me. My life's different. I'm no longer like I used to be. I'm telling you what Jesus did for me. He can do for you. He became a witness. He became a testimony. A life that was changed by the power of Jesus Christ. You know, when your life matches up with the fact that Jesus has changed your life, what a powerful testimony that is. But I want you to understand something, folks. When you who have asked Jesus to be your Savior and you become carnal in your living, carnal means fleshly. You want to live like the lost people. You want to listen to their jokes and you want to do what they do and you want to act like they live and you, you want to blend in with that crowd so that you feel comfortable with that crowd. Can I tell you something? The world looks at you and says, you know, what do you have to offer me? that's going to give me any peace. You don't have any peace, and I don't have any peace either. I'm in a mess, and so are you, so why should I follow the direction, of your, the direction you're going? Why should I want your Jesus? But folks, when people see a difference in a life, they can see where they are. And they look at your life, and your life is matched up by your walk. It gives them a possibility of hope. 
that they could have the peace that you've got. That they could have the joy that you've got. That they could have love for people. That they could, you could have, they could have a sound mind once again. That their marriage and life situation could be put back together. Jesus was telling them to be a witness. As I said, he was obedient to his Savior. Say, Pastor, I love Jesus. I know him as my Savior. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I've commanded you. Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham did what God said. Let me ask you today, are you a friend of Jesus? Well, I'm saved, so I must be his friend. No, 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 no. Jesus said this. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I've commanded you. Jesus wants to be your friend, but if, you, if Jesus commands and you don't want to do it, you're not his friend. See, we've got things a little messed up. We need to get back to some reality. I want to be the friend of Jesus. Just like this man, when Jesus told him, hey, you go back and tell your, tell your friends and family what good things God has done for you. He could have said, no, I'm not going to do that. Hey, man, they're gonna, I'm an outcast. They won't believe me. It doesn't matter whether they believe you or not. Jesus didn't ask that. Jesus said, go back and tell them what good things that I've done for you. And he did it. He was obedient. And for Christians, those who claim to know Jesus as their Savior were to be obedient. Happy are you if you do these things, Jesus says. Was it worth it for Jesus to save this one man? Others may not think so, but it was worth it to the man and to the Lord. Jesus said in Luke 15:10, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. You know the day you got saved? There was rejoicing in heaven. There was rejoicing in heaven. Every soul that you lead to Christ, there's joy in heaven. You say, what does that mean? Praise God. The angels are rejoicing. Hey, another soul. <laughs> God saved. They're going Jesus' way. You say, I wonder what heaven's like. I think there's people trying to lead people to Christ all around the world. We were talking with somebody the other day, and uh, they were just sharing about how they, that they got a chance to lead somebody to Christ in their workplace. Wow, praise the Lord. You know what? Boy, there's rejoicing in heaven. There's rejoicing. Can I tell you something? There is rejoicing in heaven. Praise God. It's worth it. Twas battered and scarred. And the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. A dollar, a dollar, two only two, two dollars, and who will make it three? Going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening and loosening the strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as the caroling angels sang. 
music seats. And the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, now what am I bidding for the old violin? And he held it up with a bow. A thousand dollars. And who'll make it two? Two thousand. And who'll make it three? Three thousand once. Three thousand twice. And going and gone, said he. The people cheered. Some of them cried. We don't understand what changed its worth. Quickly came the reply. The touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes. And the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul, and the change it's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Is it worth it to go after one more soul? Is it worth all the long hours of toil and labor to see one soul to be delivered from the bondage of sin like this man from Gadara? Is it worth all the money that the church invests to reach the lost not only in our little town here, but across the world? The answer is yes. The story is told, it's entitled All Saved But One. A terrible storm had swept the Atlantic and a ship was thrown upon the rocks. The night fell dark and lowering and the storm rose higher and the night deepened. Fires were kindled along the seashore to help those who might have been on that ship to find their way. A lifeboat was finally manned, and they went out to the breakers where the ship was, uh, was destroyed. And they came, and they rescued those people. They came back with all on board except one man. John Holden stood on the shore, and he cried out. He says, do you have all the ship's company? They answered, yes, all but one man. John cried, why didn't you get him too? They responded, well, we're all out of strength. And if we had tarried long enough to rescue him, we all should have been engulfed in the pitiless sea. John Holden said, these men who have been on the shore are willing to go back. He says, are there six Men, are there men that are willing to go out and to search for that one man? Six men promptly rode, rose up and went forward. John Holden's mother threw her arms around her son's neck and she said, John, don't go. Your father was swallowed up by the angry ocean. And your brother William, two years ago, went out to sea. And I, I fear that he's lost too, for we have not heard of him since. You're the pillar of my life and the only dependence I have. Will you, who will care for me if the sea swallows you up too? John Holden 
with his firm and strong grasp, took his mother's arms and removed them from around his neck. And he said gently, as he pushed her away, he said, there is a man there drowning, and I must go, mother. If the sea should swallow me, God will take care of you. And I'm sure he will. He kissed her on the cheek. He turned and stepped into the lifeboat with the other men. They pushed out into the breakers to the sea and they, they found that one man still clinging to a piece of the ship. They got him into the boat. And as the boat neared shore, someone said, have you found the man? John Holden said, yes, we found the man and rescued him. And say to my mother, it's my brother William. Does it matter if one more person is rescued? Hey, let's reach one more soul for Jesus. It does matter. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love to us. Your Son, Jesus Christ, your only begotten, came into the world to die for sinners. He came and gave his life. He who did no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Lord, you looked at us. We were against you. We didn't even know you. We hated the life that you came to offer. But God, you commended your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you love us with that type of love. Lord, today there may be those that are here that don't know Jesus as their Savior. Lord, you've said that we're not to count on tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow may bring forth. This may be the last time that people hear the gospel. How that your son, Jesus Christ, died for their sins. He was buried and rose again the third day. And if we're willing to humble ourselves and just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus, your son, died for me. I want him to be my Savior. I want to turn to him and from my sin. Lord Jesus, please save me today. Lord, you promise that you'll save us. With no one looking around today, Perhaps you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today can be the day that your life can be different forever. You can become a child of God. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have a home in heaven. You say, Pastor, that's what I want. I, I want to be like that, that gathering demoniac who, who came to Jesus he believed in him and his life was different. Right now in the quietness of your heart, you can ask the Lord to be your Savior. You can pray that prayer. God says you're a sinner just like me for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Everybody's done things wrong. But God loves you anyway, my friend. He died.
to pay the price for your sins. That you might have a new beginning in Jesus Christ. And right now you can pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus died, he was buried, and rose again. That's called the gospel. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, let me encourage you to do so today. He's standing at your heart's door knocking. He wants to come into your life. You can pray a simple prayer if you really mean it. Just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Dear God, I want Jesus to be my Savior right now. I ask him to come into my heart, into my life, and save me. Right now. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer and you asked Jesus to be your Savior, no one looking around but myself, would you do me a favor? Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer right now. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Is there anyone like that this morning? Dear Christian, let me ask you a question. As we think about the, the message this morning, is it worth it for one more person to find Christ? Is it worth your labor of coming and going out and going and talking to others about Jesus Christ? Is it worth it to teach that Sunday school class? To give them the gospel so that they can be encouraged to go out into the world and preach the gospel? Is it worth it to have the different ladies and men's meetings and the different meetings so that you can use that as an opportunity to call people to come? Only they have, have all sorts of excuses, all sorts of reasons. But folks, if one gets saved, it's worth it all. Don't you lay down your arms. Don't you just give up and say, no, it's not worth it anymore. Can I tell you something? It's worth it. Think about who gave up and sacrificed so that you could be saved. I pray that you'd renew your heart and your life to the Lord today in that area. Dear Father, we pray right now for this invitation. And Lord, I pray that you would have your will and way. God, you're just a great and awesome God, and I love you this morning. Please, dear Lord, work in our hearts. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask.